Enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Slumber Podcast Massacre. I did. I fucked it up. I'm gonna start it over. I'm leaving it in though. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I dive in to a different horror film from your beloved classic to that rare gem that sits on the back of the shelf at your local video store. This week, we're gonna be talking about the 1984 release, Friday the 13th, the final chapter tim let me ask you are there any uh moments in your life where you thought you were in the final chapter but it turned out uh, there were still two and a half times as much to come absolutely i was driving home from uh work at a uh, we'll call it a, a national hardware store chain and I was driving home down a two-lane highway when I ran out of gas and I ran out of gas maybe just a quarter of a mile past a gas station. So I actually was in my right lane going, you know, headed towards home, ran out of gas and actually tried to do a U-turn and did make it around and but parked, like coasting? Yeah, so sort of coasting <laughs> and then ended up on the shoulder of uh what would be, you know, the the left-hand lane, okay? So I get out of the car, I walk back to the gas station there is a a car full of teens just getting ready to start their night i think it was saturday night and i i had a gas can with me and i had no money by the way i had zero dollars i had the title of my car in my hand and a gas can <laughs> and i was going to go into that gas station wait why did you have the title to your car because i had no money I was literally going to hand them. The oh, so you're going to be like, "Here's proof that I yes. do own a car." I'm and I'll telling be back. you, it's out of gas, right? I, and I, it was so. It oh, was like a your collateral. No, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So I, I had my title in hand. I have an empty gas can. I have zero money in a car out of gas. So as I'm walking into the gas station, even before I get inside, this group of teens stop and say, "Hey, do you do you need help? Did you run out of gas?" And I said, "Yeah, I did, and I, I feel terrible. I don't have any. I don't have any money. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to give them my title. And I swear to God, if you've lost faith in the youth of of this world, you shouldn't, because every single one of them reached for their wallet or purse. It was like a mix of guys and girls. Yeah, reached for their wallet and purse, and suddenly I had like twenty five dollars in cash. And if you've ever filled up a gas tank before, like a little gas can, <laughs> yeah, you could put like eight bucks in there, maybe." <laughs> right. Um, so these kids just poured out with this generosity, okay? So They're like, with the leftover, buy us beer. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what they were thinking. So we, uh, we fill up the gas can, and I hop in the truck in between the uh, really nice kid that was driving and his girlfriend was sitting on the other side of me. I'm in the middle. So they drive me back to the car. We pull over on the shoulder. And they're going to, you know, they're, th these kids are so great. They're going to actually put the gas in for me. They bought it. I'm just beside myself. Turned out it that they wrestled with one of my cousins, you know, in a nearby school. So we kind of connected that way. So picture this. I'm getting out of the pickup truck. Uh -huh. And I'm getting ready to go help these kids put gas into my car because it's the least I can do. When you run out of gas or if you have any problems on the highway and you're in this sort of frantic state, especially when all these young people come to your aid, you sort of kind of think that everybody else in the world is aware of the situation. Sure. What you don't realize, though, is that ongoing traffic has no clue what's happening. So the kid got out of his car. He got out of the, the driver's side, starts walking to my car to put the gas can in or put the gas in. I get out of I'm kind of inching my way remember I'm in the middle of the uh, the pickup truck I'm sort of inching my way out the driver's side door to follow him and I kind of get out of the truck backwards because it's kind of sit up high sure. off the ground raised up high I get out backwards and I back up and I feel <laughs> oh I feel it was winter time 
and I literally felt something hit the back of my puffy winter jacket. <laughs> I look up into the face of the girlfriend who was watching me get out of the truck, and her jaw is on the floorboards, <laughs> and her eyes are as big as dinner plates. And I just said to her, did that almost just hit me? And she just could not even speak. Oh, my God. If I had stepped back even just an inch, I literally would not be here for this podcast yeah. today. Jeez. And uh, so, yeah, I, I th- these kids finished So your up. final chapter was you were out of gas, and then you're <laughs> like, uh, Jason Goes to Hell was the truck. Exactly. <laughs> Nearly yes. hitting you. <laughs> yeah, right. But but the I'm sure that the truck was of, you know, better quality. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But no, yes. So yeah, we didn't want to dismantle the truck afterwards. Right, <laughs> completely. Yeah, and just forget it ever happened. But no, I literally, I was so shaken that night. I went home. I I hugged all every friends and family that I could. I mean, it, it was it was jarring. It still sticks with me to this day. And it wasn't just again, folks. It wasn't the wind that I felt. It was an actually it was a van that was going down the highway, oh, clipped the back of my jacket at. That would have been about 55, 60 miles an hour. Nice. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, but I'm in I'm, the winter, too. How responsible. Right. <laughs> but you know what? I'm I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Good to have you. And, and you know what? It's good to be back because we've been gone for a little bit due to technical difficulties in the equipment, blah, blah, blah. But here we are back with new stuff. Who knows how it's going to sound? Could be garbage. So please bear with us. Yeah, that's about it. Right. <laughs> that's that disclaimer. But, you know, we're coming back strong because we are going to be talking about a movie that I cannot express to you just how much I love this movie. When I say in the entire pantheon of horror films, um, when you look at my top even three, maybe, uh, this is right up there in the mix. It's got everything, this movie, Uh, especially that a... A horror film should have and then everything else that a good film has right this is this is an excellent example of a movie where it's not fun to watch because it's silly it's fun to watch because it's actually really well crafted yeah so you could show this movie to somebody who is let's say like maybe they like mysteries or they like thrillers maybe they don't necessarily like a lot of blood and guts but they're used to seeing um, a caliber of film a little bit higher than your typical run-of-the-mill, low-budget slasher. You could show somebody this movie, and and they're not going to have anything to make fun of. It's it's extremely professionally crafted. Yeah, crafted, crafted. It is. It is. Yeah. It it is. There's some craftsmanship it's there. Like, yeah. It's like a it's like a hoppy IPA. This movie. <laughs> it is. It's like, but, uh, it, but it tastes. Better. I think what I like about this movie is I don't know, like Jason in it is almost. I don't even want to say an afterthought, but I don't walk away from it being like, oh yeah, Jason in that movie. Well, right, because the thing of it is, is that there have been other Friday the Thirteenth movies, or for that for that matter, other horror movies with a homicidal maniac to where that's the complete focus and everything else surrounding that person is just filler. You're, yeah. you're right. I mean, that's that's part and parcel for for the, the slasher genre or a good chunk of it. Not in this one. You've got some really strong uh, crafted <laughs> <laughs> characters. And um, and let's, uh, yeah, before we dive characters. into those. Okay, go ahead. Give me Nan's summary. Oh, Nan's summary. Okay, yeah. Nan's summary. Uh, so uh, Jason Voorhees, uh, thought to be dead, has escaped from a local hospital and returned to Crystal Lake. Uh, at Crystal Lake, you have the Jarvis family uh, and a cottage next door that apparently has been rented to some teens for the weekend. And in <clears throat> their attempts to have a fun, drug-fueled, sex-romped weekend, Jason brings down his hammer of morality justice <laughs> But he never uses a hammer. Someone does. Yes. There is one hammer, but he never uses it. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, uh, to, uh, to uh, you know, and then it ends. Yeah, to, to great <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to, to like, say the ending. Yeah, so. Yeah. so um, he comes to kill people. They kill him. 
for and the final time? Maybe. No. May, yeah, not really. <laughs> um, so let's let's just um, just to expand on that a little bit. If you're if you're listening to this and you've never watched and believe it or not, there are people out there like this. I personally can't understand it, but there are human beings in the world that have never seen a Friday the 13th movie before. Like that's, any of them. And that's fine. It's it. Well, it's actually terrible, but we can fix this. And There's it, so many. It just seems the odds are you would have seen one. And maybe, you know, or, like or, just by randomly watching movies, you'll eventually hit one of them. That people or do that, did, right? Did they just, just feel smothered? Watch. Maybe there's so many of them that they feel like they oh, don't yeah, even like, know where to jump. Yeah, like it's like the Marvel in. universe now. Like right. I, could, I would, ha- how would I even catch up? I can't start now. I can't start now. But the answer is you can, and you can start with Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, the final chapter, yeah. because the movie begins with an excellently edited and put together, and for that matter, crafted recap. <laughs> Of the first three films, and I'll I'll tell you as as a Friday the Thirteenth fan, super fan, uh, watching that recap just gets your just gets your juices flowing for for this part four, yeah, because it does an excellent job of not only recapping the story but also highlighting some of the really coolest and craziest kills yep. from the first three movies. Yep. So it's it's not they don't really drag it out. It's not really spoon feeding it to you. They do a really nice concise summary of the first three films and then not only do we get that summary but we blast off right into the goings on immediately following the third film. Yeah. So it's it's not like well, a couple hours have gone by. Sure. No, yeah. yeah right. They've yes. called the cops. They've right. come. But it's, yeah, same night. Right. We're, we're picking up from the events uh, of the third one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, some time has passed. But um, this is, just as a quick side note here, one of the neat things about this point in the franchise is that the writers did not feel a need to somehow come up with some sort of mythical resurrection source no. for Jason. No. It's just that he survived. Okay. And and maybe who knows? Maybe after, you know, a certain amount of installments, you do have to get a little creative of, okay, how does he come back alive from that? Right. But in this one, um, it's just that he's very resilient. Yeah. And you know, he, he He's took an big, axe to the forehead. strong guy. He's uh, determined. Yeah. Not going to let some axe in his head hold him back? No. No, he's not. Because he's on a mission, and that mission, for those of you who don't know, is to perpetually avenge the death of his mother. Yeah. So before we go further into the uh, the nuts and bolts of this thing, just a little bit of quick background for those of you who like uh, some of the, the neat factoids about these movies. Frank Mancuso Sr. was the CEO of Paramount, and they were the ones uh, who owned the rights to the Friday the 13th films, which actually have a really interesting origin. What's funny about these movies and, <laughs> and the beginning of it is that the only thing they had, when I'm talking about before the first film comes out, before the first trailer comes out, before any footage has even been filmed, the only thing they had was a name, and that was Friday the 13th. 13th, And they literally filmed a little, I guess it would be like a teaser trailer, and it just you just see like Friday the 13th in like a, a graphic image, and it comes like flying forward, and then it shatters some glass. And they use that kind of like exciting teaser to attract investors and that yeah. sort of thing. And for whatever reason, and I don't want to go off too far into this, <laughs> but let me ask you this. Prior to, and this is a great topic for anybody to write in about who's listening here that can shed some light on this for us. Slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. What was the significance of the date of Friday the 13th well, prior to these movies? Yeah, it's like... Uh, I assume that was a bad luck thing because I remember asking my mom that when I was a kid and that was still a date that was associated with bad luck. I don't know the lore behind it. Is that a Guy Fox thing? No, that's, that's the 5th of November. Oh, OK. Right. <laughs> but it's the it early been, November. Could it have been the 13th? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, OK. So I know, but there, there is. You're right. There is some sort of. Yeah, it was tie-in. a it was like calling your movie walking under a ladder. 
or black okay. cat. Okay. All right. So there's some connotation of, of bad luck or, or, you know, peril to come. And uh, so that's all they have is this title, right? That's a great question. L- uh, ladies and gentlemen, I do want you to know I am going to be in this episode, but uh, well, <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to look up Friday the 13th while Tim talks for a second. Hold on. Okay. So uh, obviously the, the movie opens and uh, the, the first Friday the 13th opens and it does very well. What's really interesting about everything else that is yet to come in this franchise was the original idea of oh, uh, there ahead. was a raid on the Knights Templar in 1307 on Friday the 13th. So oh. it's a date that goes back. So for all and you wiped out uh, the Templar Knights, all you wacko, crazy <laughs> Illuminati people out there, and you know yeah, who they're you like, are. we know what <laughs> the date is. <laughs> right, they're already sending this the email. This movie's blasphemous. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I mean, yeah, you you are uh, enthusiastic if nothing else. Um, but no, they, here we go. We've got this Friday the 13th movie that's come out. And the whole franchise is completely, from its, from its inception, is completely different than what we now know it as, as viewers and consumers. What the original idea was for Friday the 13th was that it was going to be an anthology. And that is that every single movie would tell a different, unrelated, horrific, scary story. Yeah. But Halloween's origin as well. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, obviously when you get a hit in Hollywood, they just want the same, you know, body traipsed right back out again. anthology sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah, on paper. Yeah. But we're talking about money here. And so there was was an insistence uh, when they made uh, the second film that – they bring back Jason, which is is funny because, sorry, folks, the spoilers so, are, are fast and furious. So we all know, or most of us know, that the the perpetrator of the killings in the first film is actually Pamela Voorhees. Yeah. They spoiled this in Scream, so it's fine. The, right, can, true, yeah. true, true, true. <laughs> so, so spoilers for Scream. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. And, and And, you know, any of those nine sequels that came <laughs> right. thereafter. Um, but, uh, but okay, so we've got Jason's mom doing the killing in the, in the first film. So they're about to make the second one, and everybody's really jazzed about creating this new mythology for this anthology idea. However, the money folks step in and say, no, we want Jason, and we're talking about part two here, we want Jason in this movie, which is kind of silly because at the end the, one of the most infamous jump scares of all time in horror, at the very end of the first film, you have Jason as a young boy leaping out of the water onto the, our final girl in her, in her boat. And really, the filmmakers just put that in there for fun. I oh, mean, they didn't it's intend... It's very unsettling. Yeah, they didn't intend for that <laughs> to be anything more than just let's put one more big scare in. That is literally all they were intending to do. But... The investors. The myth was born. Yes. They glammed onto that and they said, yeah, we'll give you the money, all right, but we want to have that kid come back. <laughs> we want him to be the kid. But not as a kid. Not as a kid. Please. As a teenager. Really, I, th- I think in part two. Yeah. Probably a teenager. Um, and uh, so that's what, what brings us to part two. And then as we move forward, um, we're, we're, we're cranking out movies now on an almost yearly basis, part two. Part three. So now we get to part four. Frank Mancuso Sr.'s son, uh, coincidentally enough, Frank Mancuso Jr., oh. has been helping with these this franchise all along um, in, in various regards. Yeah. And Did he write part of two? I don't know. I feel like he wrote one of them. He might have. I know he, he was He worked like a, a lot in different – he had a lot of different hats for this series. Like a first unit director. Yeah. You know, he, he definitely had a, had, a, had a part in it. Now, it depends on who you talk to. If you talk to Frank Mancuso Jr., he's going to tell you that he decided that part four would be the final chapter because he was concerned about quality and how, how long could they keep cranking out this uh, – these movies about this masked killer in the woods. So he wanted to just kind of end on a high note. 
Other folks will tell you that it was because he felt like he wasn't getting enough credit for what he was putting into the franchise or that um, that he felt like uh, he was being attached to the Friday the 13th franchise and that it was stunting his growth in the industry. Yeah. Regardless, they decide, hey, let's do the final chapter. But I'm here to tell you folks, even when that was decided, nobody believed it for a second. <laughs> right. This thing was a juggernaut of money and and viewers so much so that we just yeah. found out yeah it was the sixth highest opening weekend of the year in 84 that's an insane year what were some of those other movies that came uh, out in 84? ghostbusters temple of doom footloose uh terms karate of endearment kid. karate kid uh yeah every Didn't movie the Terminator come out in 84 no that was like 82 oh was it maybe 86 I don't know I don't but remember. either way that the list that you just I don't said. have that yeah I don't have the list up anymore but yeah it finished the year the 22nd highest movie of the year and it made 33 million bucks which in 84 is th like that's like 38 million now yeah, I can promise no, you the budget was not thirty three million. It was million. not. I mean, they made money. Although the cast in this is that's another strength this movie has. I mean, were we at that point, I guess, where it was kind of cool to be in a slasher movie? Like you got your better up and coming actors because you've got Corey Feldman, you've got uh, Crispin Glover. I mean, those are the two big ones that came out of it. No, you're right. You're right. I, I there think was that dude from Police Academy. <laughs> Yeah, that. Uh, oh wait, hold on. Bit of trivia: the nurse, the nurse, the second person who gets killed in this movie, she uh, did another movie with Crispin Glover. Maybe you've heard of it, Back to the Future. Who was she in? Back she to the was Future? like Babs. She was just one of Lorraine's friends. Oh, yeah. Okay. But still, they're in the movie together. Yeah. I mean, maybe Crispin is like, "Hey, I, I know a girl," you know? <laughs> right. Like we didn't work together, but right. <laughs> right yeah directly but <laughs> right but no you're right there that is one of um you know now that, that we've given you a little history here or a lot of history um we can kind of dive into this thing here and it, it kind of circles back around to what i was saying about quality and that um the the acting the writing the pacing the introduction of characters, that's one thing that maybe like your average moviegoer wouldn't be that interested in or take notice of. But this movie does an excellent job of introducing its characters in a nice, like measured way so that it doesn't feel like, where the hell did that guy come from? Right. You know, they do a really great job of almost just sort of like just spoon feeding you this this story and these characters. I mean, I do feel that way about the twins, though. Like, where the hell did they come no, from? No, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And we're they the don't seem to have anywhere to go. They're just riding their bikes and are. Oh yeah, we're free the rest of the day to hang out with you guys until whenever. No one's expecting us. Almost everybody else is necessary in this movie. Those <laughs> twins. Eh, yeah, it's a stretch. Yeah, why have them? And and. And we'll get into this a little bit later, but why did they have to be English actresses who didn't have a super firm yeah. grasp? Well, one, yeah, one, one could do an American accent. The other could not. But they gave the most lines to the one who could not. And the one that couldn't do an American accent kind of found herself in this weird purgatory that would trust me it was 85 percent english but yeah. it was just you, you would have been They're better like, just, to just if be you kind of mumble everything maybe yeah. it'll come across okay right maybe you guys were separated at birth or Everything something you say is like this. That's funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anything anything would have been better than immediately switching over to an english accent like halfway through the movie right but um don't crocky jason's in the woods it is <laughs> Well, if you didn't have those little knickers on, I wouldn't be so attracted to you. Um, and I, did I go Australian? <laughs> a little bit. That's all right. Sorry. Um, English prison. Donate to Australia. Country, country, um, yeah. Do you know that the, the – I just found this out yesterday. The wombats in Australia, for future years when this is listened to uh, after this, this time – Oh, I think I know what you're going to say. That the wombats are inviting other animals into, into their, their burrows. burrows. Yeah. How adorable <laughs> is so that? so nice. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, if you didn't like wombats enough if you already. Know, you know that kangaroo's like, I can't even talk to this guy. I've lived next to him for five years. Here he is and inviting they, me into his home. 
and the kangaroo like feels like shit because they look down at their pouch and they're like, oh god, yeah, I guess I could have helped some right. like a little Jeroboa. Only I had something to offer you. I could have put a family of Jeroboas in here. <laughs> Jeroboa is a animal native to Australia. Okay, but anyway. I've never heard of that. <laughs> but my. <laughs> I, I, there's a question I want to ask you, though. Here I am talking about this fantastic craftsmanship of this movie. Before we get into the meat of it at Crystal Lake proper, I want to ask you how you feel about the scene that happens uh, after we get uh, the recap that we've already discussed. We cut right to the action of uh, the bodies, including Jason's body, being transported to the hospital. How do you feel about this little interlude before we get to uh, Camp Crystal Lake that takes place in the hospital? Uh, I mean, I'm okay with the scene in the hospital. Did I say something about it earlier? Are you trying to lead me into something? No, you you didn't, but I think— Because I do like the—that when—after the recap and then it's that opening scene, I think it sets that tone really well. And I just remember when, watching it this time, like, picturing myself in the theater. And I don't know, there's— there is kind of an energy to that opening scene uh, when the medical, you know, examiners are getting there and the ambulances and stuff. I don't know. Like that part seems, it seems real. You know, Jason's not dead, so you're already kind of like, oh, like when is like I can't wait for something to happen. You know, something's gonna happen. You've just seen like a recap of all the death that's happened. You know, death's coming. I don't know. I just felt like watching that in the theater was probably a lot of fun, especially like that opening weekend. I bet there was a lot of energy. The hospital, I think, is cool because it has one of my favorite kills in it. The the hacksaw in into the twisting the head around. Right. I the, And the reason why I asked you about it is because it is I think it's it's a pretty bold choice by by either the writers or the filmmakers to start their film out even though we get that great recap but they start their film out outside of the the camp crystal lake grounds now usually you're thrust right into that environment but they they take a little bit of a risk and give us an opening scene that is essentially off-site and we get some characters that have nothing to do with jason Voorhees. they have nothing to do with being camp counselors or living near there we get this hospital scene but yeah, i think I get, yeah you, is that the first time it's not been at the camp or around like the lake yeah you're probably right okay. it feels like it yeah that oh, makes sense with the exception of the beginning well this at least includes one of the counselors because it's at the beginning of is it at the beginning of part two that he goes inexplicably to like new york and kills the final girl from the first one in her apartment that is part two, I believe. Yeah, it's really weird. It's really jarring. That redhead, short, kind of short-haired, red-haired girl, he actually goes to her apartment and kills her. Really? I it's a, yes. Yeah, it is, it's a little weird. It's a little like, off-base. Two's a forgotten one because it's like— I know. It's crazy because it's like— Wow. Yeah, yeah. it actually happens. All right. Um, anyway. So, but anyway, going back to this uh, this hospital, and I like what you said about that, that opening with the— um, when the police cars are there and the hel the uh, helicopters are there and the ambulances, both new and old, are there. And uh, there is a lot of production quality happening there because, it, you know, on a low-budget movie, maybe you would just have, like, like, a crappy police station and, like, two actors. But we really get this awesome display of them cleaning up after the end of this massacre, which you don't see in these movies. No. Anymore. You, you, you see horror movies left and right with, like, you know, 10, 12, maybe 13 people being killed. And then who cleans up this mess? Right. But we actually get to see that. Then we go into the a lot hospital. Of people. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot of work, especially when you have to put an entire axe into a plastic bag that isn't nearly big enough for it, which actually happens. Um, but, uh, but, okay, so we get to this hospital scene, and, yes, that kill – with the uh, with the hacksaw, it's uh, that that leads us into another quick and amazing, wonderfully amazing topic here, and that is that Tom Savini is the makeup artist for this movie. Uh, for any of you that know anything about makeup artists, 
Um, and maybe you're even like me and you know a lot of makeup artists, which accounts to like three. Right. Okay. He's one of the three that you know. And what's great about Tom is that he was the makeup director for the first film and the second film. I believe the second film. So he is the one that's sort of given birth to what the carnage looks like in a Friday the 13th yeah. movie. And when he was approached with part four and told that it was going to be the final chapter, he said, absolutely. I, I gave birth to him and I want to be the one to kill him. So you've got Tom Savini on board, who not only is a really creative makeup director, but he loves his body molds. So you get a lot of not just like quick kills, uh -huh. but extended carnage and close-ups while it's happening. So that guy gets his neck sawn yeah. and then his head ripped to where it's maybe barely hanging on oh, by a thread. Yeah, it's it's overkill. It's and brutal. it's the first one. It's brutal. He, even Jason's like, I'm going to dial it back. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was, yeah. whoa. Right. All right, I got that out of my system. Just knocking the rust off. I haven't killed someone in eight hours. Right, yeah. Like, okay, no. Nah, not even yeah. that long. No, it's a couple hours. Right. He's like, is this hours. how I do this again? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I didn't need to go that far with it. Okay, yeah, I'll dial it back. Um, so, yeah, we get we get Jason out of – it's kind of a necessary scene because ultimately his body's transported there, and he's got to get back home to Crystal Lake where he's always drawn. So here we are back at the camp, and what's really exciting about – this particular movie is that I just said the word camp, but if you think about it, this movie has absolutely nothing to do with camp goers, camp counselors. No. It it's has just to... the Crystal Lake area. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we realize that geography based in this one. New Jersey. Yeah. yeah a lake, a wooded area of New Jersey. Um, and so here we are back, uh, you know, at, at Jason's old stomping grounds. And we are introduced to a nice, multi-leveled uh, selection of characters um, who give us three different levels of tie-ins and, and levels of Camp Crystal Lake uh, for this film. The first one is the kids. We got to have teenagers, right? Yeah. What do you think about those teenagers? Um. You know, I, there are a couple that are interesting. The rest are very interchangeable, I think. Um, especially the, like, um, your faux final girl, the innocent one. Like, her and the chin, who I love is chin. <laughs> the chin. <laughs> the chin. But those two I could not care about at all. Yeah. Um the then the so then there's the so there's like kind of three couples right there's the chin and and uh, the virgin and hey, let me just interject andrew calls him the chin because he is this guy that has this amazing admittedly amazing jawline yeah. oh, and yeah. and andy is just really taken with it's it it's the as only anybody. thing that probably could have defeated jason Voorhees for good was that chin but he uh, he knew it he smashed it he literally smashes the guy's chin yeah. into back into his jaw. Like yeah. he didn't try not, to hit not, the yeah, chin. Not me, buddy. Yeah, you're not gonna beat that chin. <laughs> you know, you gotta go. You gotta work from the back, <laughs> right? But yeah, so you got that couple. You've got the like I don't the guy in this couple. So the girl who's the whore or whatever. <laughs> but even she is like that's I'm I'm not. Those are just reputations that go, you know, people say. And she, I do it with one person. She is adorable. Adorable. Oh she was God. the uh, brunette from Weird Science. I think I her, name her name is Hilly in Weird Science. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, the, the dark-haired girl. Uh, I, I believe her name is. The one you were like, why did I ever see her in anything ever again? I think it's Judy Aronson is her name, I believe. Her last name is Aronson. But, yeah, she's kind of a darker complected brunette, just as cute as can be. Yeah. But has, her boyfriend is so forgettable. Like, was he the jock? Like, I wouldn't even. Right. He's just the cutoffs guy. He's the guy who wears cutoffs. Right. Yeah, he, he literally is the yeah. cutoff guy. And then um, the two nerdy friends. Right. Like, those right. are your three couples. Yeah, you're right, because the, the we have our kind of faux final girl, the virginal whatever, and then, the, you know, the, the, the more promiscuous friend. But you're right, they kind of expand that, that universe a little bit, that we get the nerd, quote-unquote nerd, with Crispin Glover. But then we get Teddy, 
Yeah. Who is he's kind the of incel. Yeah, he thinks that he's cool, but he's not really. But you're right, the two like quote unquote stud guys, one of them is a little bit more like quietly studdish with his jaw. Yeah. The other one is, is I think he's meant to be more of like the player. You yeah. Know? Like he's well, yeah, cause more of the traditional he, Yeah, stuff. the twins trying to hook it up with him. Right. And he's totally into it uh, in front of his girlfriend. Whatever. Right. I don't so, know. Either way around it, you've what the movie does is he does get one of the harshest deaths though. Who's that? The the jock. Oh my god! Yes, spear, we will spear get to the that. Dick. Yeah, harpoon. We, get, we will get to uh, it. Harp- Let's talk about a spear in the dick. <laughs> Let's talk about harpoon in the dick. <laughs> oh man, it is a yeah. Okay, like well, how does he die from that? He's We're, not dead. Hey, that guy's just laying there suffering for the rest of the movie. Look, I don't know if any of you have ever had a hernia before or anything like that, but you don't even have to be, like, struck in the genitals. Anything in that pubic area is filled with nerve endings. And so this guy, maybe the harpoon pierces his penis or balls. I don't know that. I don't know why I chose to say scientific penis but yet balls for the other <laughs> it's penis right. or testicles. the medical term <laughs> so they say he, you have ball cancer <laughs> yeah they do it's yeah. just to kind of like it's fun like yeah yeah it makes it the cuts edges. the edge off yeah yeah so he either way gets a harpoon shoved into his crotch and then he shoots it so it kind of elevates yeah. him up a little bit. Yeah. It's insult to injury, but you're right. But it doesn't like come out the back of him or like pierce organs. No, it's, it's just... not even like you. If he had hit like the what is that? The femoral artery that's in the leg. Yeah. Like you're gonna bleed out in, in maybe a minute or a couple minutes. But just like blasts him in the crotch. Yeah. Maybe he drowned. Maybe he drowned on top of it. I hope so. Jeez. Poor gosh. guy. Well, here's a funny thing about that kill. We were recently watching that movie. And you've got Jason running around with a hockey mask, a machete, a harpoon, what have you. You've got people getting killed in many and various ways by this guy that is seemingly unstoppable. However, we were watching this movie with a friend of ours who her biggest singular concern in that lake scene was water moccasins. (laughs) (laughs) Forget the guy that can't be killed. Right. Forget the forget even the they're fr- the si- the real silent killer. Yeah, and and I don't I can't literally picture a water moccasin right now, but I think they're black and slimy. Well, I don't think they're slimy. They're just wet. Well, yeah, they're, they're water moccasins. Right, they're in the moment slimy. Yeah, 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 yeah. They are black. I've but seen one before, and it. I heard they smell bad. Uh, that I did not. And I think that they're they are poisonous. Are they? Yes, not? they are poisonous. Yes. They'll kill you dead. They are. Venomous. Venom. They're venomous. Yeah. They're at. They're not poisonous. Yeah. They're situationally slimy. <laughs> and this friend of ours, you know, Jason, you know, can she could, you know, take or leave him. She was concerned about water moccasins, and and why wouldn't you be? Yeah. And maybe you would be if it wasn't. What did we? What did they say the water temperature was there? Uh, very cold. I mean, it's freezing. Yeah. The the, the uh, what's her face. The girl Ms. from Aronson. Yeah, Miss Aronson. She got hypothermia from filming that scene because they're in the dark. Uh, she's in the middle of this cold lake in no clothes. And God bless him. The guy who played Jason, the stunt guy. Uh, what was his name? Last name's Vito. Uh, I think it's, uh, is it Joe Vito? S- uh, something. I'm sure I could look it up. But, yeah, this guy, like, came to the rescue for these kids so many times. Uh, uh, Ted White. Ted White. So close, Tim. Ted White is his name. (laughs) Uh, But, like, the working conditions for this movie were so abysmal. And he'd be like, hey, like, hey, get her out of – she's – her lips are blue. She's chattering. Like, her teeth are chattering. Get her out. Uh, You know, the stunts some of these kids had to do. Like, they didn't have – they didn't have the big money to be like, oh, don't worry. We'll CGI this in later or something, you know. Right. Especially when you've got Tom Savini as your makeup artist and he's like, look, I was in Vietnam. You will get in that goddamn water. <laughs> right. I don't yeah. give a shit. What are you complaining about? <laughs> right. But, um, well, well, yeah. But wait, there, let's do this. Yeah. Because we're coming up to the back third of the episode here. Right. Let, I want to go. 
we don't normally do this, but let's go through these kills and give them a pass fail. It's worth it. How yeah. do you feel about that? Okay, I, I love it. So first one, uh, Doctor Hacksaw head twist, pass or fail? Pass, pass with flying pass. colors. Yeah. Uh, second one is the nurse. She gets slammed against the wall and it's scalpeled in the stomach. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to give it a pass just because that scalpel action is pretty like pretty hardcore. Uh, yeah, I give it a fail. Although she does have a good scream. She does. She's got a great scream. Third, hitchhiker. Hitchhiker is. <laughs> Absolute grade A Tom Savini body mold knife coming through the throat, squeezing of the banana. I give it an absolute pass. Yeah, absolute pass. I don't know what the point of it was, but absolute pass. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, does uh, it- okay. Now I'm, I'm fuzzy on orders, so we're gonna just kind of go through. Uh, so you've got uh, uh wait, 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 probably the twins. Okay, yeah. Tw- the- okay, let's do the twins. One twin is a pass, one is a fail. I okay. Uh, the okay. pass is one of my favorite shots in the movie. One is like, oh, hey, hey, love, going to rob you back down to pub. Um, I'm out here. And she's outside, and it's almost it zooms in on the house, and there's a flash of lightning, and it's all silhouette, and you see Jason stab her with a pitchfork. That's your pass. And that's my pass. And then, and then that gets thrown against the house. Yeah. that that is, Folks, I mean, seriously, there there is – like you you feel like something bad is going to happen but you're not getting a traditional setup and then yeah right beautifully that flash of lightning happens so that silhouetted like exactly what you said silhouetted against the house we see him stab her but not only does he stab her but we see her then thrown into the frame <laughs> yeah it, you know actually now we see her for real into the frame up against the house it's gorgeous yeah. yes pass and then the fail is uh the other one's looking out the window and he just grabs her and throws her out Funny you say that, but, though. Funny you say that. But, oh, I forgot about I actually jumped when we watched what oh, that's you right, just you described. Did. Okay, that right. second twin death, she's staring out the window wondering where her twin is, her other twin. And uh, so she's staring out the window. Jason, unbeknownst to her, is out just outside of the window, and he reaches in and pulls her out. And that's when she lands on the car, car. and the, the window. Sh- oh, you got to give that. A pass. I forgot about the car. You got to give I that forgot a about pass. The car. Yeah. Oh, All right. Listen, the uh, give it a pass. The intro is such a fail. But the, yeah, the yeah. the car like exploding when she taps the edge of it is she lands on the roof of the car and the windows just blast blow out. out. It's All badass. Right. Right, maybe I'll say, like, take this class again. That's my one on that one. <laughs> Okay, so now you've got uh, Chin. The Chin is through the shower door, just mm-hmm. slammed up against the wall. It's pretty good. It's it's a little it's a little kind of like uh, pedestrian on the front end, but we, he really gets kind of mashed into that thing yeah. at the end. I guess I give it a fail. Though. I, I will give it a fail. I will. I will. Uh, uh, faux last girl. She just gets thrown out. I don't even remember what happens to her. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, I do. Okay, super pass. Super pass. She's running through the house, doesn't know what to do, gets to the back door. All of a sudden, like, she's thrown back. As Jason has thrown a three and a half foot double bladed axe through the door into her chest. If you like football and you've ever seen a tackle across the middle of the field when a receiver like jumps up for the ball and you just know that that guy's going to get bent in half by the guy that's running full throttle at him and just crushes into him and you watch and you go like, Ugh, that's what your reaction when you see this kill. Yeah. That goddamn axe comes flying through that door at 160 miles an hour right. and it absolutely just kills the hell he out of her. stepped into that one. Pass. Okay, all big day. pass. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. So other couple. So we've got Miss Anderson, super pass because of the face. Aronson. She Aronson. Yes. She swims out to a lone raft in the middle of the lake. Jason pops up, stabs her from underneath. Yes, right. He does. Yeah, yeah. Stabs her from underneath, but holds her down. But her face is so goofy. Yeah, it's almost it's like a three like, stooges. Oh, oh, oh. Like I'm gonna stick my tongue out. <laughs> yeah. But it's it helps. But it's, it's kind of so, horrifying. It like, is horrifying, but she's so cute. Like she yeah. can't be like she's trying to make an ugly face, but she's so cute yeah. that you can't you know can't pull it off. But uh, it is a it is a pass. So then lame jock boyfriend fail. 
I don't even know if he's dead. No, 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 no. Lame, no. lame jock boyfriend. Yeah, that's the that's the harpoon in that, the you groin. Fail? You're fail. That's well, awful. Well, it's fail because it is it is off. I mean, it's passed because I it's, don't even it's, know he's dead. But it's gnarly. It, it's it passes for gnarliness. Like like harpoon in the balls always passes. But you're right. Like, did he really die? Right, I don't know. Or did he just live he like just a suffered. sad life thereafter? Yeah. Uh, so Crispin Glover. Uh, where's that corkscrew? My favorite Here it line, is. My favorite line in this entire movie. And by the way, we're, we're talking about, we're, we're like throwing out Crispin Glover's name like it doesn't even mean anything. <laughs> he is an absolute shining star oh, yeah. and beacon of light in this movie. He is so bizarre. As And this is like but 1984. But even that, like, I... It's the most reserved I've ever seen him. Oh, sure. But he is still bizarre. He is. But he's like a real bizarre. Yeah. And, Not and a Crispin Glover bizarre that you see in other movies. Just an awkward kid that means well, but he's just so goofy as hell. And when he gets killed, he's a little, like, pissed off. He's going into the kitchen, and he's No, he just got laid, man. He's not pissed. Yeah. Well, I mean, but he's, he's pissed that he can't find the corkscrew. Well, yeah. And he turns around and says... Hey, Ted, where the hell's a corkscrew? And he kind of like has this weird sort of southern accent a little bit and not only gets the corkscrew rammed through his hand on the counter, but then Jason just drives a cleaver into his face, yeah. into his face, face, like diagonally into his face. <laughs> and he like is sh- like his body is shaking, like vibrating from yeah. the cleaver, which you would. Um, so pass. Super pass. Oh. Now, Teddy fail fail Lame. yes yes a he's blinded by the projector that jason has broken he's watching the stag film or old school nudie film felt uh, to me like they kind of didn't know what to they didn't do, know what to with do with Teddy yeah. after a little yeah. while there they just had him they just kind of get stabbed in the head three hours and then he gets uh killed. and now we have really only so there are only two more deaths one we're not sure on we do know it is because of deleted scenes that mrs jarvis the mom from next door is dead, but you don't see her die in this movie. So we're going to call that a, a, a fail. I'm going to say fail. Because, it, yeah, you don't see any carnage. You see her, like, just go, react. <gasps> and then, not even and, scream, just yeah. a gasp. And I'm not even sure. Boy, it's such a weird thing that they did that. But, um, but yeah, because yeah, that, I, I got a thing about that. That we will get to. Okay. And, uh, yeah. and then the last one, the last death, is the guy we haven't even talked about. The camper. What's his name? Brad? Tom? Tim? Rob. Rob. <laughs> Rob Joe the camper, Vito. who's kind of this character who shows up, and he's our Van Helsing. He's the Jason Slayer. His He's out for revenge. His sister was killed. He's here to hunt down Jason. Uh, he finds Jason, and then Jason uh, kills him. And we know this because he yells, he's killing me. He's killing me. Right. Not in that Neil Breen cadence I just did, but at a real I mean, it's a real like you right. feel so bad for this guy. It is it is a it is a it a definite pass, even though it's heartbreaking for me to say that. I, I mentioned this the last time we were watching the movie. That you have to re- bear in mind, you know, here I am in my my mid approaching mid forties, and a lot of these movies I, I saw I over thirty years ago. And some of these kills still stick with me, and that is one of them because uh, – and I, I won't go off on a tangent. I know we haven't, like you said, mentioned him yet, but the character of Rob the Camper is a character who is the brother of a young girl who was killed in Part 3. So because she was killed in Part 3, he A, wants to avenge her death, and B, wants to nobly protect – any other teenagers yeah. that might that might be you know uh, might succumb to Jason. So he's the one who's got all the press clippings, and this is important. This is a very important plot line right. for later. He has collected all the press clippings about Jason, about his history, what happened with him when he first drowned. He's the one that knows that the body has disappeared from the hospital. He is in full camping gear, and he has gone to Camp Crystal Lake to kill Jason. Yeah. And so which will then get to our there is one more kill pass fail the death of Jason 
W- yes, yeah, and, and we yeah. We'll, well we've got to get to it. Yeah, we're, and, we're but, running out of time. Right. Okay. But yeah, this this no, this one might run a little long. I mean, we, we'll we'll not pad too long. Ten minutes. Um, but yes, the the death of Jason um is for me all about eyebrow, <laughs> like. Tom Savini like works in this amazing yeah, the mold, twitching eyebrow. Whereas this like Jason is literally has been hacked in the face. By the way, Trish, we'll get to the Jarvis family in a second, but Trish, who is the the daughter or slash sister in the Jarvis family, live, uh, living across the street from the the uh, teenagers. Which really, I love real quick when they find Rob, he's like, I didn't know people lived uh, out here, and it's like there are two houses next door to each other. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's it a seems lake. pretty dense. People generally like gravitate <laughs> towards lakefront property. Right. I mean, it's not unheard of. So, um, so yeah, when Jason gets killed, Trish uh, has uh, who is our true final girl, not the faux final girl. She's our true final girl in this movie, even though it's really more of a final family. I'll get to that in a second. Um, but she whacks Jason in the face with a machete. And that guy literally slides down the machete as it's going further into his eye socket out the back of his head. And it is a nice close Wait, up. Wait, doesn't Tommy deliver that blow? No, that is Trish that delivers that blow. Tommy hugs her, then picks up the machete and whacks away because, because Tommy. Oh, she knocks off the mask. And right. Tommy, I swear to God, Tommy delivers that final blow. Well, you're okay. So let's backtrack. You're right. Tommy is is doing his thing with Jason, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Trish is the one that goes and picks up the machete, whacks him. His mask does fly off. Okay, yeah. we're good there. Does she? Oh, no, you're right. She then drops the machete. Yeah. You see the machete fall because as a viewer, you're like, yeah, because it's far more savage that the kid delivers the final does blow. He, so he picks up and goes. Yeah. And then oh. that's why he's like, damn it, just die. Like, yeah, then he starts right, wailing God. And on we just him. watched this for God. I've only <laughs> right. seen it 15 times <laughs> right. so, at a minimum. Um, but, you know, you're right. So Tommy delivers that final blow. Either way, Jason's poor face slides down oh, that yeah. thing like butter. Big pass. And, Super uh, so, pass. So, yeah, huge pass. So. Head of the class. Real quick. Uh, let's, let's talk about this Jarvis family real quick. Yeah, we can do it. So. Uh, as we talked about earlier, there is a family that lives there in the Camp Crystal Lake area. And what's really endearing about the appearance of this family is that it gives us as viewers something more than these sort of mindless caricatures of teenagers that are just ripe for the slaughter. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that that is the case with these particular teenagers in part four. I think they're pretty well crafted, so to speak. Uh, but but. The funny thing about the Friday the 13th films is that it's all about family. And you might laugh at that, but it's true. Jason, his mother, starts off her homicidal uh, attack and spree because of the death of Jason, her son. Jason kind of picks up that torch to avenge his mother's death. So there's a strong familial aspect to these movies all the way through. And I don't know if somebody consciously thought about this, but it with the addition of the Jarvis family, we actually have a family component, not just, you know, horny teenagers smoking yeah. weed and getting killed. So you've got a family who is struggling a little bit themselves. The parents have separated. Uh, the father has left. I mean, they got a lake house. I don't well, know. Right, how. yeah. Struggling <laughs> yeah, emotionally, yeah, you're saying? Yeah. They're not in like a tent town <laughs> underneath an overpass, okay? But, I mean, they're they're like, their family yeah. is a little The fractured. kid owns a computer in 1984. Fair. They are doing all right. Right. And he's that got he an, keeps at his lake house. And he's got enough money to, like, craft these, like, amazingly, like, professional-level monster masks. Yeah. No, it's, it's fair. They're doing okay. But um, but the family is a little fractured in that the father uh, is not present at all in the film. He, they are the parents are separated. But this family of Mrs. Jarvis, Trish, her daughter, and Tommy, her son, are doing their best to kind of hold together and stay happy and, and stay close as a family. And it adds a real endearing aspect to this film. So so much so that it gives you as a viewer a second level of this film because usually once the teenagers are all dead. Well, the movie's over, but not in this one. You've got that Jarvis family. Mrs. Jarvis is sort of inexplicably gone. We've already covered the fact that her death is implied. So you've really got, instead of a final girl, 
what, what I was saying earlier, a final family. You've got Trish, the older sister, protecting her younger brother. And what's really awesome about this, and we can't talk about this movie without talking about the element of child psychology in Friday the 13th films. I'm going to go off on the fastest tangent you've ever go. heard in your life. Okay. I once had a friend tell me that, that his favorite type of horror movies were movies that involved religion because religion is the closest thing that Western civilization has to anything that is sort of otherworldly or magical. So if you have a girl who's 10 years old and her head is twisting around all the way around and, and floating above her bed – that we, because religion is involved, we sort of believe that yeah. because that kind of stuff can happen. It's grounded in reality. Yeah, then. <laughs> right. So um, it, it gives you a, a, a little bit more plausibility as you're watching a film that involves religion. Well, Friday the 13th movies don't involve religion, but they do involve psychology. And we're talking about, you know, fact versus faith here, <laughs> but but it still is an element that gives the viewer some sort of additional believability. It's first introduced in Friday the 13th Part 2 when my, one of my favorite girls of all time, Amy Steele is the, the actress's name, finds a, uh, uh, an adolescent Jason's shrine to his mother. She's, yeah. it is, uh, her beheaded head is there, candles, her sweater. Uh, this final girl puts on the sweater, tucks her hair in, and sort of scolds Jason, pretending to be his mother. And what we realize is that this is really cool because nobody's ever going to physically overpower Jason. We know that. So how do you beat this guy? You beat him with psychology. Yeah. and they 4D bring... chess. Right. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, machete in the eye. You know, it's a good start anyhow. But um, I feel Chewbacca could take him in that uh, Star Wars chess. It, set on yeah. the Millennium Falcon. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you're right. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I'll give that a pass. Um, and uh, so <laughs> I'll give that. Yeah, I'll give that. That Chewbacca killer. could beat him physically too. All right, let's just say yeah. it. Chewbacca can bench press <laughs> 600 pounds. Okay, so. Here we have this child psychology brought back yet again with a young Tommy Jarvis, who obviously is a very imaginative kid because he builds all these monster masks in his free time. He's he's creating these characters in his mind. So he finds these press clippings that I mentioned earlier that Rob, uh, the camper who's there to avenge his sister's death, has collected all these newspaper clippings. So Tommy is this young kid. He does a quick recap kind of like bringing himself up to speed of the history of Jason, and he sees these sort of like crude renderings of what Jason might have looked at looked like when he drowned. Yeah. Um, because Jason, we're given to understand, had some sort of mental or physical yeah, he was deformities. A special, a special needs child. Right. And when he drowned. So uh, we have Corey Feldman, uh, the character of Tommy, going into the bathroom and sort of frantically chopping away at his hair and shaving his head down so that it's just like stringy bits of hair and kind of darkening his eyes. And so that when he confronts Jason, now this is important. This is, this is one of the first elements of a horror movie giving some humanity to their masked homicidal maniac running around the woods. The character of Tommy sees that there might be something inside of Jason outside of that, that sort of homicidal brutality, and he wants him to remember what is inside of him. It's like, for, for, for a second, imagine you had a friend that was, was sweet and patient and friendly and kind, but they're in a situation where they're angry and they're about to do something really bad. What would you do? You would say, don't do this. This isn't you. This isn't you. Yeah. Just just don't do this. This isn't who you are. And that's exactly the philosophy that Tommy employs when he tries to get Jason to remember that he's something other than what he's doing. And I'll tell you, folks, that's that's really significant on the part of the writers yeah. to come up with that. That was uh, groundbreaking? I would say so. Yeah. And, I mean, and it's definitely one of the more memorable endings to – Especially one of these movies, but and uh, any horror movie in general, right? And 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 you and it kind of circles back around to what I'm saying when I'm comparing it to that sort of religious believability. This child psychology thing, as a viewer, makes you go like, okay, maybe this could work. 
Yeah. Like, like I, I believe like this kid is onto something and it, it creates a moment of Jason taking pause because Tommy is saying, rem- like, not like uh, uh, the Lion King, like, remember. <laughs> right. Remem- but I mean, pretty much <laughs> like he's literally saying, remember, remember, like, remember who you were. Remember that you're just this this innocent kid. You're not this horrible person. And it's it's just long enough for for Trish to to get a good whack and at least whack uh, whack the the mask off. Yeah, she does get a good shot with the machete in between. She Ooh, gives him this yeah. old Spock hand <laughs> right in between <laughs> the fingers. And it, yeah, that's one of those like vulnerable places on the human body oh, where you're yeah. just like you're like just the idea of a paper the webbing cut on in your the, finger. Yeah. Uh, and she whacks the crap out of that. Okay, so here I'm gonna say this, and then we're gonna wrap this up. Okay, here's here's the, something I think they. They missed what an opportunity. Just imagine uh, this is all I'll give you, and you'll already play it out or or imagine what it could be. Imagine instead at the end that Trish is alive and Tommy, but it's Tommy and Mrs. Jarvis. Now you have a mother and son who are confronting Jason. Okay, That's... wouldn't that like? And as Jason recognizes. This is this kid's mother. Like, what does he do in that situation? Like, there's so much more they could have played off of there. Right? I never have ever what? thought like, of that. But instead, they're just like, get rid of the mom off screen. Yeah. That is amazing. And I I give you so much credit for thinking of like that. He's going for Mrs. Jarvis. Right and, there. Yeah. And Tommy's right. like, no, mom. And he's like, what? Uh, he takes off the mask and is like, this is your mother. The only, the only, and I think you are a thousand percent right. Let me just say the only thing off the top of my head that I can think that would be a reason why they wouldn't do that circles back to bridge episode. I've talked about this before (laughs) that one of the most important qualities of these movies that make them so urgent and immediate is the lack of sort of adult supervision. And so maybe to have the mom and the son would create a higher level of a feeling of safety, maybe. And well, but that, they're like the last ones left. Right. Like it's, you know, because he's already kind of wiped no, no, out no, that no. side I'm, house and then come over here. At this point, I'm playing devil's advocate because yeah. what you're saying is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I if they really wanted to play that psychology angle even further, yeah. that that would have, as a painting a picture, it. made a lot more sense. Because you've already kind of taken your virgin girl and been like, no, she's not a final girl. Like, she dies too. Yeah. So I don't, like, that trope is gone for me now. I would, and I'll tell you what, and, and maybe it's just specific to this movie, I would absolutely love to see that if I didn't love the character of Trish so much. Like, I just, it just, by chance, I happen to really sure. like that actress and that, Maybe it's because I had an older she sister. She should have died when she went back down in that basement, though, immediately well, that, that after Rob foolish. is killed. Yeah. yeah. She should be dead. Uh, all right. But, yeah, still, this movie, it's got it all. Well, it's got world building. It's got great actors. It's got fantastic kills. It's got everything you could ask for. Implied water moccasins. Implied water moccasins. Um, so, no. They've it, never had Jason use a water moccasin to kill someone. <laughs> no. But maybe someone will hear this and then rebooted part two. He's got water and arms. Can you <laughs> well, can, notes? One more real quick thing, yeah. because I think this is a really cool thing that we came up with. Excluding Jason. Let's just say Vic, Jason's victims. How many of them are there in this movie? How many victims? Remember, uh, there's eight. Oh, 13, 13 oh. victims in this movie. Very cool. Very cool. And and here's the thing, I I swear, guys, I've got another another sixty. <laughs> now minutes. the hitchhiker makes sense, right? Yeah, <laughs> I've God got. Damn it, we're at twelve. <laughs> yeah, right. That's why they put her in there. <laughs> yeah. we just needed one more. Damn you it. get no lines, just eat a banana. Yeah, um, I I've got easily easily another sixty minutes in me to talk about this movie because there's so much there, but thankfully. There are plenty of Friday the 13th movies out there. <laughs> yes. And we, I'm we sure will at return some point, to this franchise again. Yeah, yeah we will make our return. Uh, oh, quick uh, pro clutching, one to ten. I give this an eight. Like, there's a lot. There's nudity. There's graphic kills. There's drug use. I think this is a big pro clutcher. We do have a pro clutching segment, uh, which Andrew in the past has so brilliantly articulated that it's measured on the strength with which one would clutch their pearls. <laughs> If they were to clutch pearls. And yes, and you're going to give it an eight. 
Yeah. I'm I'm going to second that. I think that that's exactly dead on. It's not gruesome for gruesome sake. We don't get, like, intestines. No. But we get some really gnarly kills. So, yeah, eight yeah. is dead on. Plus, we get we get some nudity. Not a lot. No, not a lot. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Aronson, uh, for that. But uh, not a lot. But, yeah, it, I'll give it a solid eight. You're right. She's the only one you see naked, right? Uh, well, you see the, you kinda you like see the twins' see butts. In, yeah, you see their butts and maybe and like... And you see Teddy's butt. Oh, you do see Teddy's butt, yeah. And you see a little bit of vintage porn that is shown. True, yeah. Most uh, of the nudity is in black and white in this movie. Yeah, in a, like a film strip. Yeah. But um, either way around it, I, I, folks, if it sounded like we were all over the place on this movie, it's only because there's so much to talk about. And it, it, we always like to eventually, in one way or another, tell you if you should see this movie or not. And this one, if you can't tell already, God, you have yeah. to see it. This movie has a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I say, fuck you, Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. Yeah. You're rotten. Yeah. How about that? You get a 0% Rotten Tomatoes. Fuck you with the water moccasin, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Perfect. All right. We'll wrap it up on that. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Join us next week when we cover the 1981 offering Happy Birthday to Me. Uh, that should be a lively conversation about that one. So please remember, you can email us at slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram uh, at slumberpodcastmassacre. Uh, visit our Patreon, pi- patreon.com slumberpodcast something uh it'll be in the notes uh so yeah thank you so much for listening it's been a pleasure tim we'll see you later see you andrew